0: Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Statz. Hi,
1: welcome to Board Gaming with Education. I'm here with a special guest, West Scherenbeck. He's from Brooklyn, and he's working at Brooklyn Game Lab. And this is a cool program that teaches kids through board games and designing board games. So he's doing a lot of great stuff at Brooklyn Game Lab, but I'll let him introduce yourself, or let him introduce himself. So Wes, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: Hello, Dustin. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, my name is Wes. Um, I work at the Brooklyn Game Lab. I'm the program manager there. So we're like a, an after-school program for kids where they play and design their own board games. Um, that's big picture. What we do, awesome. So
1: we'll get into a little bit about Brooklyn Game Lab and your role there. But before we do our first segment, question we like to ask our guest is: tell us about a time you were on the receiving end and learned something through a game.
0: Oh, I mean, games are amazing. But the one I think about a lot for myself as like a very formative event is uh, as a kid uh, on my computer. I used to always play Civilization, uh, in particular Civilization Three, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, I should say. Shouts out to Sid Myers. Um, uh, You know, if you don't know it, it's a great computer game where like you pick a country of the world. It has like an assigned leader, a real historical leader. Depending on what country you are, you get certain bonuses. Depending on what leader you have, you get certain bonuses. And in particular, they had this wonderful section called the Civilopedia. Did you ever play Civilization?
1: I did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I love the Civilopedia. Because it was just like a, a big book of like history and lore um, that I just like read all the time and like definitely read back to front. Uh, I just felt like that was for like a little kid to, um, I was like, you know, what the difference between a Babylonian and a Sumerian pretty quickly. You know, you know who Mansa Musa is. Uh, you know about like the English Reformation, you're a little kid. I thought that was very, very important for me. And I ended up uh, studying classics and history in college. So, that was a big deal for me. And I think that was really formative.
1: Yeah, the game seems like it kind of sparked your career path a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think all the things I design, uh, setting is so important in games to make them fun and engaging. And uh, a game can be fun as hell, but it's, if, it's, if its setting is bad, if its brand is bad, it's just it doesn't connect in the same way. Um, and it's big. History's the best.
1: All right. So I guess that kind of leads into the next question that I have is... What? Well, how does board games or how do board games or games in general relate with your career and what you're doing now?
0: I I mean I'm very blessed that my life is just tabletop games. It's my job, uh, designing them, uh, testing them, uh, like games made by other people, trying to pick my favorites so that the kids can play them. So I get to play a lot of games and test a lot of games as as my job. Um, it's my career, which is really really amazing. So growing up, I was like casually into board games, but there just wasn't the kind of amazing stuff there was now. You know, you know, like um, growing up, I played Monopoly. I played Risk. But nothing crazy, right?
1: I was just going to say that uh, Risk, I had a lot of Risk nice, and now Scythe has kind of taken over that role recently.
0: Dude, oh my god, right? Scythe is, that is so funny. Yeah, Scythe is so amazing. That's funny you should say that. So our most recent, uh, yeah, it's so funny, our most recent game that we ran in program, so uh, not to jump too much off topic, but I'm gonna. it makes sense. So we basically, every month, will pick one of the best board games that's come out this year. Okay. We pick one game and the kids play it over the course of a month. And the first, they come in once a week. The first week they play it, it's light version. Maybe we pull a mechanic or something so they can learn it quicker. Then they fill out these lab cards with their findings on the game. So they can run like a winning tactic or a losing lesson. They can write down and be like, I lost because I didn't blah, 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 blah. You know, the best way to win this game is to get the most gold does that make sense right yeah yeah so they all fill out these cards and they also fill out like these creative cards which are really amazing um they can fill out like an expansion idea so they can like if they're playing risk they can be like i think this game should add submarine war and i think submarine should be like you roll a d6 and like if you roll the same number you blow them up or something <laughs> does that make yeah. sense yeah. So they that's out, cool like, yeah it's like really cool so they fill out these rule changes and expansion ideas and then over the course of the month we take the kids cards and then eventually we build an expansion using the kids ideas so it was just funny that you brought up scythe because we just ran my little scythe have you, have you heard of that that they, that they released that game yeah
1: i've heard of it i've never had a chance to play it though
0: so my little scythe is like really fun it's very accessible which is really important for the games we pick for the kids um and uh so it's very like – this you know, Scythe is amazingly complex and, and so fun. Uh, but for kids, they get this like – well, I can't believe the producers actually had made one for kids already. It was very convenient for us. Um, so the kids get to play this and then they designed their own mod, which was basically that they were um, – they loved the friendship mechanic because kids are uh, amazingly kind and beautiful people. Um, they loved uh, – so it should say the um, – I believe in Scythe what is it? It's called like camaraderie. It's the thing you get for like placing resources on other players.
1: Okay, uh well, maybe the enlisting is it the enlisting? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, so anyway, as you give uh, resources to other players, you earn these friendship points, and you can earn one of the, the win conditions is earning enough friendship. Kids, like, love this. They, like, immediately loved a game where they could, like, give each other stuff. So they decided that their version of My Little Scythe would be cooperative. So they decided that it would be that they all work together. A lot of the cards were, like, that they just wanted to work together to defeat something else. So they introduced—we made a, an evil lizard gang for them to fight. So pretty good.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. it's And that uh, collaboration is really, I think, helpful in uh, that type of learning environment as well.
0: Oh, for sure. I, I mean, so I think, um, you know, if we're going to talk about the educational benefits of the, of the program, there's so much to talk about. I mean, just playing games, first off, is has so much uh, developmental benefit. I think that like um, these... The games, first of all, were totally an unplugged program, worth noting. Like, board games only, card games, there's no screens, nothing like that at all. We're totally a board game program. So, yeah, I think it's really important, because, not to, like, be one of the, I don't want to be a grandpa shouting about computer games, because I'm not that. But, I do think that, like, the act of sitting at a table, and looking people in the eye, and, like, all these games have such deep social components of having to always negotiate, be like, hey, you shouldn't attack me, you should attack him, because he He's winning, hubba ba 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 ba. So there's all those great social benefits of just playing first off, and I think that those are um, they're just intangible. They're so the growth is so real. You see over kids playing these games over time. Uh, next there's obviously like those analytical benefits where like you just I think these games are smart like when you have a kid play uh, Splendor like a great engine builder have you played Splendor
1: yeah yeah Splendors was one of my favorites yeah
0: yeah so Splendor is amazing though I did have a friend point out that it was um, a little like broken and he he glass shattered it for me a little bit (laughs) oh no yeah so like anyway but when a kid plays like Splendor or Century Spice Road it's like amazing you really start to see like their brains churn in like a math mathematical way that sometimes uh you know kid brain is really amazing because they are like sometimes when it comes to that kind of stuff i feel just smarter than i am so playing games is like so so beneficial for kids development and then the act of filling out the cards I think is very uniquely beneficial Um, because first off, just the analytical thinking of just like, you know, having to look at a game and be like, what do I want to add? What did I like? What did I dislike? I think that's really nice. And then also the act of just they have to get up and they have to read it in front of each other and they share criticism and they take criticism from each other on their ideas.
1: Yeah, that's that's really great. That's something I mean that I've been this semester, I've been teaching my university students in discussion because it's really hard. I think when we get a little bit older, we're a bit more uh, self-conscious about sharing our ideas and it's good to give students the idea that an idea is not a uh, part of who you are but it's better when it's out there to, to mold into something stronger.
0: 100% you like these kids you know you start you're always like married to your idea but then like you hear a little criticism it feels raw I think a lot of the time it's that adults were so unreceptive to criticisms because we didn't have this kind of stuff as kids you know what I mean when did I get to like stand in front of a room and share an idea and have other kids be like I like x y but I don't like z you know right
1: yeah yeah that's a good when, point yeah, yeah.
0: me yeah Right. <laughs> maybe that's maybe like the next kids, these kids, maybe they all grow up and they'll be able to take criticism much better than us, which is that's what I hope. And that's what I feel. Maybe
1: maybe a little bit, be a little bit less prideful of the next generation.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
1: I want to kind of go back to what you said about uh, video games and uh, board games or analytical or analog games. Sorry. And I think it's I think I hear a lot of times people argue about this but I, I don't think it's really a zero-sum game i guess right you can set aside time and space for the board games and have those as a great tool but you can also use video games as a learning tool as well
0: yeah i think so i think that like computer games and video games uh are like very educational and very forming in great ways too i mean so like uh, growing up i loved i I never played uh, Dungeons and Dragons growing up because I just didn't know the right people I think I never I didn't know how to play I didn't have any friends who knew how to play and I guess I just wasn't like uh adventurous enough to figure it out myself but I loved playing like console RPGs like uh, Dragon Quest Final Fantasy and I think those things were really also formative for like my ability to like tell stories and understand storytelling um, I also think like I love like I said civilization all these any historical setting uh Computer game or video game is a chef's kiss good and I think informative.
1: Right. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 was my favorite. And Sephiroth and just that whole storyline really, really taught me a lot about stories.
0: It is amazing. Did you see that the um, the trailer for the new for the remake just dropped today? Or a trailer, not the trailer.
1: Oh, a new one. I'll have to check that out. It looks, oh, okay,
0: cool. it looks pretty different and inventive. We can talk about that later.
1: Awesome. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what is Brooklyn Game Lab?
0: Yeah. So um, we are, first of all, uh, we're a game store. We have three locations in New York City. We have a two in Brooklyn and one in Manhattan where like people can come in and buy board games off the shelf. That's the first thing. And I personally, I always tell people when they walk in, I'm like, hey, if you know what you want, we will probably have it. And if you don't like we all have really good taste. So (laughs) I love recommending games to people as they walk in. I love like, for example, I love recommending uh, birthday gifts. I always tell people when they come in looking for a birthday present, I'm like, here's the rule number one. Don't buy them a rule book buy something that you can teach in under 10 minutes when you're trying to buy a birthday gift so first of all I love selling games I think it's really fun and you get to spread games to people as they walk in they're like hey what's going on here and you're like welcome we're in the golden age of board games (laughs) it is very fun Uh, but what you know what makes us truly unique is our after school program and our summer camp uh, our summer programming and our like after our off day camps and stuff like that uh, where kids get to play and design board games and uh, they also get to play and design uh, their own tabletop RPGs. And they ha- we have this Quest Lab program where kids go outside and they get to lark with these foam swords and shields that we've made that are like, oh, they're so amazing. Oh,
1: that sounds cool. Yeah.
0: That's, as I was just saying earlier, the kids basically over a month, if they're in our tabletop game program, our main program, we pick – you know, because there are like a thousand board games a year now, we test a lot of board games, uh, us and the staff, and we try to we rate them and we figure out like, is this game very fun? Is this game very fun for our target audience of seven to fourteen year olds? Um, how doable is this in the format of time we have, where the kids get to play for about an hour and a half? You know. Um, We play and we pick the best games that fit for our program. And then over the course of a month, the kids play the game twice while filling out those lab cards. Lab cards, which can be like strategic takeaways or creative additions. And then we compile their creative additions and we make their own edition of the game. That's in our main after-school program, which is like tabletop, which is like our gold standard.
1: Cool. So what what has been maybe one of your favorite? I don't know if you can choose the favorite, but maybe a couple maybe that you like to use with the kids
0: the kids are so funny um so i thought like when we played pandemic that was the first game we played this year and this is all stuff from just this year that i think is so amazing um the kids uh when we made pandemic they wanted to add rescue pups okay there's like these kids you know kids are hilarious um kids love really really love puppies so they wanted rescue pups there are evil cats because kids are you know they really like narrative (laughs) right (laughs) um so they're basically they're like rescue pups that give you certain powers. And like we decided to like put different dog breeds in the different regions of the world where they're from, which was pretty funny. Go to you go to Montreal to get like a Labrador. <laughs> so uh so we added Rescue Pups to Pandemic. They added uh, that game Megaland, which is very fun. That Target exclusive game, very cool. Um, they added a Megamart to it because kids really like wordplay. Um, so they added a Megamart to Megaland where basically you could buy a bunch of items. Um, and I love stuff like that where it's like items, when they add like items or gear to a thing where you can add a big list. Because then a lot of kids' ideas get to all like make it in and it'd be a big like – Uh, you can have a deck of cards where every card is a unique kid's idea. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And that, I mean, that has to add a higher, a much higher level of investment into the game too. Right. You want to see your item come out of the cards and yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. We actually have a funny rule where it's like a lot of the time it's, um, if you're going to have something cool, have two of them in the deck just to make sure that they come out so the kids can see it. Because like even while like sometimes game balance would be like, you should only put one of them in there. We're like, we got to make sure that they get to see what's cool, you know?
1: Right, right. And I think that's maybe a little bit more important than game balance in this case.
0: I would say so. You know, another thing they added is they added zombies to Cult Express uh, and they added like coffee to Cult Express as well. They wanted coffee and zombies, so that worked out pretty well.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a really cool themed board game. Actually, coffee, yeah, and zombies. yeah
0: right. Yeah, there's like you could you could just see a. Um, a, a that sounds like a role playing system, actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, what Board Game Lab does with the community or any other teachers or gamers in the community
0: that's yeah so we're an after school program uh first and foremost and so what that means is we um we coordinate with these elementary schools as as soon as school ends we send people to those schools to pick up the kids and we walk them right over to our location uh where they immediately start playing games and uh well, actually, what's nice is first they have like an unstructured time where they can take quick play games off the shelves. So like set um, like speedy words and like a anomia, stuff like that. You know, it's really important that I think like they have unstructured time. Even in this, like, structured program uh, of Game Lab, it's important that they have, like, they just gotta have a long day of school. It's very important. They get a nice, like, 15, 20 where they get to just play free play games. And we don't get on their case and be like, hey, you're taking too long on your turn or anything like that, you know? But anyway, so we pick up these kids from uh, their schools. We also run uh programs in a lot of these schools uh like as their after school
1: cool yeah I, i worked in an after school program a bit in dc and i really like i just loved seeing students outside of their their normal classroom structured environment
0: yeah yeah. I mean, kids are amazing. <laughs> they are all really, really funny. For example, this is my favorite D and D moment ever with a kid. I thought we, we run a lot of D and D. So we, the first thing I said is that we ran like that school program. Uh, t- that's our tabletop lab. We also run quest lab, right? Where, when the weather's nice, they go out, out and they, they fight with swords and shields. But when the weather is not so nice or when we want to, we play dungeons and dragons inside. Um, so <laughs> this is so funny. So, one year we were playing in a, a sci-fi setting, like, or a high fantasy in space setting. The kids earn these merits as they uh, progress through the system. So, like, if I win a board game, you get a champion merit uh if you uh does have a great idea for a board game you get a brilliant does that make sense yeah right right they're like achievements in, in in video games and you rack them up over time you have this they have these beautiful folders where they rack up their merits and over time once you've earned enough merits you become you can like level up in the system and the kids can become this thing called immortal where they're placed into one of these five immortal houses right um yeah it's very very cute um And so anyway, uh, when they get enough of these merits, they can also – we adopt an animal from the World Wildlife Foundation for them. So uh, this kid picked the whale, right? So he picked a blue whale. So anyway, we're in space and the kid has a whale. And so kids know like tropes. And so he's like, I want to fly my whale through space, right? And he's like, word, that makes sense, in Dungeons & Dragons. So his group, uh, their dungeon master is like, that's reasonable, but – you're going to have to work for a little bit. So you're going to have to make it larger so that it can like withstand space pressure. Like you have to be a giant whale. So they basically went through the whole Dungeon Masters Guide these kids on their own and they found multiple different sources of like enlarging. They found like different potions, different mushrooms, different wands, different spells you could cast and they basically like went on quests over the course of like multiple weeks and months to like find these things to make this whale a spaceship and like they succeeded and it ended up becoming like a major character in the shared storyline for everyone's D and D games. Um, and that was just something that they made happen on their own. And it was, they're so funny kids are there. They come up with on their own, anything better than you can plan for them.
1: Yeah. I, lo- I love that too. The, the RPG element of creating a culture in the classroom, because then these, games or these rpg games you create a story that kind of exceeds outside of that game and you're talking about it and when you show up the next day you're like do you remember when the whale was floating in space and yeah,
0: yeah i mean i mean D is uh, playing rpgs with each other is the best thing because you basically make a movie where you're all the stars and all the writers and all the jokes are inside jokes for you it's the best it's the best um, kids love playing it and, uh, they, they love playing all these different RPGs that we, we give to them. We actually just recently, this is so amazing. Um, so, you know, Avengers Endgame came out and made a billion dollars, whatever. Right. So, um, kids love superhero stuff. Go figure. Right. So, um, during the week that Endgame came out, uh, for our tabletop program, we decided they played that fun new dice game, uh, Thanos rising cute game. Very fun. Um, have you played it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah! I like
0: it. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, they had a good time. Kids love superheroes. So, but and for our quest program, uh, they played a superhero RPG. Um, but was fun is we were like looking through to find the perfect one for them to play. And we just ultimately couldn't find one that we, we thought worked well for kids. Because the big problem I found with these superhero RPGs was they'd always have like a list of powers. And even if the, the list was like 60 powers long, it never had like exactly what you wanted. Does that make sense?
1: Right, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we ended up deciding to make one in-house and it's called super persons and it's like really really fun and i think the thing that makes it unique is that um you get to really free design your power and like outside of combat when you're role playing you just get to do whatever you want like relative to your power so kids can really do whatever the frick they want and they designed when you give kids the space to design like this they do such cool things there was a kid who made uh burrito man who's spider-man but only with burritos (laughs) he shoots burritos and he swings using burritos
1: that sounds sounds delicious though (laughs) we don't get good burritos here in taiwan
0: (laughs) oh dude i'm so sorry but you said that you were going back to la soon right and yeah yeah so then there you go you're gonna be in uh burrito paradise so right
1: (laughs) maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh what you do as wes at brooklyn game lab
0: sure so um as the I'm the program man- manager, so I quote manage the program. Um, what that means is that I'm in charge of all the stuff that's kid facing. So I'm in charge of the after school program where like I, I pick which board games the kids play, which is a lot of I get I test a lot of board games and I I, I like I pick among them and I have to rate them and uh, I decide what mechanics we're pulling from it to make it a little more playable. Um, I am in charge of the calendar. I am in charge of our weekend activities where on the weekends, for example, like we have open family gaming where kids can come in with their mom or their dad or whatever, whatever. And they could all just, as long as there's an adult and a kid, they get to play together free of charge and they get to just do their thing, which is really nice. Um, So I'm in charge of coming up with stuff like that on our Sundays. um, We have uh, you know, we also run our after school for these kids who don't have like scheduling conflicts. So I'm in charge of putting together the calendar basically and in putting charge of like anything that the kids might play. I have to make sure it's fun or at least engaging or rewarding in some way.
1: What would you say is your favorite part about doing this role,
0: I'd say is probably, I mean, playing games, first off, is like just the the, the fact that a uh, playtesting games is. I just I'm playing games. So that's amazingly fun. Um, I love working with RPGs and kids just because it, this, this, they really come alive in that storytelling format. I'd say, yeah, that's my favorite part is, is honestly playing RPGs with kids.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you come up with some uh, Spider-Man burrito, man, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: I feel like that's a billion dollar franchise on its own right there. So well,
1: there's the the Spider-Man into the multiverse maybe he'll show up there
0: dude i know we will we need to make sure if burrito man comes up then we can need to come knocking and get our lord <laughs> well, for sure just kidding just kidding <laughs> just kidding everybody what would you say is maybe a challenging part of your job? The crunch of game design is really challenging. Um, and deadlines. I mean, even with something as fun as board games, you have to get it done by a certain date. Um, I have a calendar I have to manage, which is just like on this day, school is closed. So what game are they going to play to make up for this on a later day? Um, just it's fun. I mean. To to do it right is hard. You're not just uh, to pick the best games. You have to really think um, to make sure everything is a rewarding experience. You have to think that's my thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I, a lot of times I like to compare lesson planning with maybe maybe it's something similar to what you do as well where you kind of have to play test. You don't really know if it's going to land perfectly the first time you do it. But as you continue with that same lesson, you refine it and make it better. You take out parts that didn't work really well. You emphasize parts that worked well.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing that's great. These kids are amazing because they're also they're playing games, but they're also the play testers. Right. So when we have a new version of a game that they just made, Monday plays it. Monday gives notes and they're like, hey, this game was like a little hard. And we're like, oh, shoot, I guess we need to crank down the difficulty on X, Y, Z. You know, does that make sense? And same deal, where it's like, and then over the course of the week, then Tuesday says like, oh, I think uh, this part was a little, you know, boring. The part where you just roll the dice, so maybe make it a little more choice oriented. So then, by the end of the the production, we have like a much better version of what, than what we started with, and that makes it so then. All of our original content that we produce as well, all the games that we make, they also we have like such a great group of play testers in these kids who are so smart um, and they're so ready to want to comment on games. They like they like pooping on things. They're very smart, you know? Yeah, I mean,
1: I just I really want to say like that that collaborative spirit that your program has is really amazing where a st- Students from one group is creating a game and then another group on a different day is play testing it, providing constructive feedback. And I think that's super healthy for younger kids to be able to take that feedback and also help their peers. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's just the process of of giving it and taking it is is so important. Uh, It's important like socially because you get to learn, you know, like about taking criticism as well as like the analytical benefits are right up there.
1: Right. I think before we go into the final segment question, is there anything you want to talk about before we move into the last question?
0: Um, I just want to say that uh, I'm very happy to be here and um, very happy to share the gospel about uh, teaching kids through playing board games and through uh playing collaborative role-playing games and that uh if anyone is in the new york area that they should swing on by uh we have just come to our website
1: so yes before we go we always have a final segment question and this is a kind of a fun question to get to know you if you are stuck on a deserted island what three board games would you bring
0: damn okay all right okay all right so let me let me make sure i get the hypothetical right okay am i alone on the island or do i have like people i can make play my games
1: so you get some people but as soon as the game finishes as soon as there's a winner or loser or however the game ends the people disappear
0: oh okay this totally works okay so if i was alone i i did i, I was ready for alone so if i'm alone i would have set because you could play that one alone uh, set because, like, that would just keep me sharp. You know, I don't want to go island crazy. Um, oh, first of all, I just want to say I love any deserted island scenario because Survivor, best TV show, love Survivor. It's the ultimate game. Uh, it's the most strategic show on television, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I would also, even though it's not the most strategic game, I'd bring Twister because I think that would just keep my body spry a little bit on this island. And, and I would also bring, if I could as one item, I would bring all my d d books, 'Cause I feel like I can plan the ultimate adventure, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a safe, safe one. Yeah, I like that.
0: And if I if I feel like if I live through the island, I can bring it back and play it for my friends. And if not, I could like save it in a bottle. And that'd be kind of cool too. But 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 let's say I have friends. Alright. If I have friends with me on the island. Alright, so here's my big three. Are you ready? Alright. So first, I think I would bring Jaipur. Oh, so Jaipur is like a one-on-one game, and I think it is a I truly believe it's the best one-on-one tabletop game. I think that uh, you get to uh, – uh, it's basically a game where you're uh, on the Silk Road and you're alternating turns, picking up resources from the middle and then trading in your resources for points. And then there's this real rhythm and a give and take. And it, with this one-on-one, I can really feel like you know that scratches an itch. Um, the next game I would bring on my island is Pandemic Legacy. I'd bring Pandemic Legacy. So I think, like, um, first of all, uh, I mean, I've already played the game, but I think that it would be really fun with these new groups of people. I feel like everyone on the island could get to know each other with a great cooperative game, and uh, everyone would learn how to work together and listen to the smartest person. And the third one is Diplomacy, because it is my favorite game ever. It's the best game.
1: Have you done a little bit of the online Diplomacy?
0: I have, totally. Um, I have played a decent amount of online diplomacy, though people online are brutal. Um, I have one of my kids in our teen hangout program. He's great. He plays so much diplomacy now. We used to, he used to, we played every week in teen program because the kids love diplomacy there. And uh, he started playing online and he basically like, he comes in one time and we're like, Hey, you want to play diplomacy Oliver? And he's like, nah, I'm in 12 different games online. i am not my <laughs> diplomacy fix. And you're like, Oh, Oh my! <laughs> so um, I would bring diplomacy because on the deserted island, you legitimately have nothing but time, and you could easily finish a game of diplomacy.
1: Yeah, I think I like diplomacy. We've I've only played online with some friends, and that's it. But I really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, it's like really, really fun to play online and over mail all that stuff. In person, it's also like amazingly fun because, like, growing up, my friends and I, uh, we would play in a big house where. Like it was very cavernous hallways, so like you'd like try to follow people through the house and be listening in and you'd be like, Oh my god, I think Turkey and Russia are planning something together. So I I really love diplomacy. I think it's so strategic and so social. Um, it's really peak board gaming for me. And it's zero luck, except for like the grand forces of luck.
1: Right, right. <laughs> luck of your friends backstabbing you
0: yeah it's as lucky it's like luck in the sense that like it's a chaos theory you know
1: all right Wes thank you for coming on and preaching the board game gospel as you called it
0: dude oh thank you so much for having me I love I'll stand on any pulpit and preach anytime
1: (laughs) so before we go can you let our listeners know where they can find you or talk about any projects you're working on or Brooklyn Game Lab is working on
0: I would love that. So um, first off, uh, we're, we're on Facebook. You can just search Brooklyn Game Lab. We're Brooklyn Game Lab on Twitter. We're BK Game Lab on Instagram if you're into photos. Um, like I said, if you're in the New York area, definitely just come to our physical locations. Uh, we're, we have very beautiful stores and we just love to come see anybody. Um, if anyone has children, they should enroll them in our after-school program or our summer program, which are really cool. Um that's basically it in terms of projects. Um, no, I got nothing. Okay. okay awesome. Nothing I yeah. can say out loud. Nothing I can say out loud, unfortunately. Right. I actually, awesome. We have like amazing stuff, but that's my uh, that's my uh, ooh, mystery box
1: under wraps. So maybe maybe a future episode we'll hear about that.
0: I know how to tell stories. Mystery box.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and sharing some insights with us.
0: And thank you so much for having me, dude.